Welcome and thank you for taking the time to listen to the Word of God released through Randolph Barnwell. Randolph is the founder and senior elder of Gate Ministries Durban Central. Be encouraged to access free additional resources for your edification at randolphbarnwell.com. Great grace, peace and mercy from Christ be multiplied to you as you listen to this teaching. This particular theme of grace and our present focus on the subject, this particular focus today, I want to do at least over two or three sessions. And so I don't want to rush through this. I want you to concentrate. I'm going to deal now with partaking of apostolic grace. Partaking of apostolic grace. And what we're going to do is focus on the sharing in and partnering with the unique grace that God in His sovereign design has given to men that we call, or the Scripture calls, apostles. But I want everybody to understand this. Now, if I ask you the question, okay, show me your hands. Who would like to access the grace of God? Yes or no? Yeah, We all want to, right? You ask this question in any platform, you'll get a full showing of hands. Yes, we all want it. But do you know that one of the most powerful avenues that God has set for accessing the grace of God is, in my esteem, probably the most or least engaged. It's the least understood and was certainly the least engaged. So people desire to access more grace, but the methodology, one of the most powerful methodologies that God has earmarked to access that grace is, number one, the least understood and the least engaged. Until you have a revelation of it, um, you will not prioritize it. And that is the accessing of grace through an authentic and credible apostle of God. You desire grace as we all do. What I want to present to you over the next two or three weeks is this, is this thought. God decided, I'm going to package it in a vessel which I will call my apostle. That I will send to you. People fail on this thought and people leave the thought. I was having words with a, 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 a person on Facebook yesterday. If you view my wall, you will see the, the tenure of the discussion. And uh, I just saw a note as I came here this morning and where she was publicizing my non-engagement to engage her publicly on the platform regarding human officiation. The fact that the sovereign God needs humans to officiate on His behalf. So to access what He gives, you have to access the human. Right? We call this in theological terms the corporeal principle. Corporeality is a theological term. It simply means God is spirit unseen invisible. That dimension wants to come to the earth. But for that dimension to come to the earth, because earth is a time, space, matter environment, spirit has got to take on flesh. And what everything in spirit must be seen humanly. So God communicates stuff in himself, resource in himself, via the agency of humanity. So we often have humans to represent him on his behalf. The disciples 
said to Jesus, show us the Father. Okay? You say everything you do, the Father is doing. You say everything you say, you're only saying what the Father is saying. They said to us, show us the Father, we'll be happy. Okay? I like what Sam said in one of his teachings. The disciples were saying, just let the Father peek out from behind you, say, hello, yeah, my, and go back. And we'll be happy with that. You know, Jesus did not submit to that. All he said, you've seen this human vessel. You've seen the Father who is spirit. Right? So humans can officiate on as representatively on God's behalf. Now, please understand this church. God, in his sovereign will, for reasons only known to him, has endowed substantial elements of his composition as spirit, the element which is grace, has endowed that deposit, that resource, in a human that he calls an apostle. That you have got to understand. Otherwise, there's a quality of grace that's always going to bypass you. And you know, there's, there, there are humans today in the earth that don't even believe in the ministry of apostles today. They think apostles stopped with the first century church. right? Or some people even believe that some uh, the apostolic ministry stopped with the original twelve. Not so. The scriptures are very clear that apostles together with other fivefold ministry gifts are given until. Everyone say until. So until the objective is accomplished, they will always be functional. And until, uh, we'll read the, the, the text in a moment, okay? So I want to present this to you um, as thoroughly as we can. I'm also going to do this thoroughly because these messages are going onto the website. And so they're being consumed globally, not just by you who are hearing um, these teachings. Let's just read the text. Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 7. Ephesians chapter 4 from verse 7 to verse 16. I want us to understand this thoroughly. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Just stop right there. He says, Paul is speaking, grace was given. And by argument, he's referencing us. The us here. Us here is not the general body of believers. Contextually, in context of Ephesians 4, the us here are fivefold ministers, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And he says this watch to each one of us. What did he say? What is given to us? Grace is given to us according to the measure of. Christ's gift. So there are five, what we called fivefold ministries. I prefer the term ascension gift ministries because you will see in a moment these gifts were given to men when he ascended. Jesus died, not so, was buried, and then he was resurrected. After his resurrection, there was his ascension back into the heavens when the cloud received him. That point, the Bible says he gave gifts to men, five specific gifts, which we call fivefold ministry or ascension gift ministries. Ascension gifts because they were given at the time of his going up. 
right, at the time of his ascension. But do you know, listen carefully to what Paul is saying here. He is saying to each of us five, and five is the number of grace. He says grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. So the grace in the apostle is an expression of Christ. The grace in the prophet is an expression of Christ. The grace in an evangelist is an expression of Christ. Grace in the pastor is an expression of Christ. Grace in the teacher is an expression of Christ. All five have grace. Why then are we zoning in on apostolic grace when all five are pregnant with grace? That's a natural question to ask. I will explain that shortly in a moment. We will address that. Right? All, you need all to be exposed to all, to be fully perfected in Christ. But each one has got a measure of Christ. It's like, it's like Christ parceled himself out to different individuals variously. Okay? To different individuals variously. So all of Christ cannot be contained in any one of them. It's like they're five, di- think about it like this. Five parts to Christ. He said, I'll give grace to a pastor to do his work. I'll give grace to the teacher, to the evangelist, to the prophet, to the apostle. I will reference shortly in a moment why we deem apostolic to be foundational to everything else. Okay? So, do you know that when you stand before any one of the fivefold offices, you are standing before a representation of Christ himself? He comes to you packaged in either one of those five right? that's how christ comes to you to receive christ's gift you have to receive the way in which he comes right so i taught you this last week jesus said if you do not receive the one i send you don't receive me in fact he said if you reject the one i send to you you are actually rejecting actually rejecting me okay now let's go on it says Therefore it says, you guys can read this properly if I, I need to move this a bit. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. This is where we get the word ascension gift. When he ascended, he gave gifts to men. Ascension gift ministries. Let's go on. Now this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also had descended into the lower parts of the earth? I don't have time to explain this now. Go on. He who descended himself is also he who ascended far above the heavens so that he might fill all things. And he gave some, I like this, he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors, and some teachers why why are they given everybody say why it tells you why they were given it says for for what what are these why do these five exist it says for the equipping of the saints for the work of service for the building up of the body of christ until we all attain to the unity the word unity is ace which should read one Oneness, not unity. Unity is a bad translation there. Until we all come to the oneness of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. The word knowledge there is epignosis, which means full, complete, mature knowledge. To the mature man, to the measure 
of the stature that belongs to the fullness of Christ. That is the ultimate. That is the, the zenith, if you would. If you want an end point that we must all come to, this plainly sets it forth. Why are they given? For the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Until we all come to what? Everyone say oneness. Until we all come to oneness, then it says, to the full knowledge of the Son of God, until we everybody comes into a place where it could be said of you corporately that you all now, I love this phrase, you must learn this phrase, until we come to a UAS man, a mature man, a mature son, a mature son to the what? To the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Come on, repeat that after me. A mature man to the measure of the stature that belongs to the fullness of Christ. When God looks at me, Randolph, God says, Randolph, you need to come to the fullness of the measure of the stature that belongs to Christ. Where you can say, in this life, as He is, so are we. In this, in this world. So, tell your neighbor, be mature. Be of good cheer, because God has given you fivefold technicians. Five specialist gifts. These are gifts from heaven. Listen to me. If Christ were physically on the earth right now, He will stand before you in five dimensions. And He will say, I'll come to you like this. My purpose of these five is to build you up for your work of service. Is to make you all come to oneness. Everyone say corporate. So all fivefold gifts have a corporate mentality. They want to attain to the unity of the body of, of Christ. They're never divisive. Their concern is that individual sons of God and also corporately the whole church becomes reflective of the fullness of the image that belongs to the stature of Christ. Christ must be seen. You know what the, the apostolic specifically, you know what the plumb line is? What the measuring stick is? Christ. Christ, they're passionate about one thing. They're passionate about Christ. And they want to see Christ being formed in every in every believer, okay? Christ being formed in, in every believer. Let's go on just quickly. Verse 16. As a result, in other words, when their work is accomplished, what will result? It says, until we are no longer children, no longer nepios, no longer immature. They're designed to mature you. Right? Tossed here and there by every wave and carried about by every wind of doctrine. By the trickery of men, the craftiness in deceitful scheming. So you will know quickly if the guy says you eat a rat. You know that I can't eat a rat nor a snake. Right? I will not succumb to any trick of men. Why? I'm no longer a child that can be fooled by any gimmick in the kingdom. I have come now to a place of soberness. I am mature. I recognize the faults the moment I see it. Apostles... And fivefold gifts are designed to mature you. The intent is to grow you up, to make you strong, imposing like an edifice that cannot be moved. So you will not fall at the tricks of others that are false in the kingdom. It is critical that you expose yourself to fivefold ministry. Absolutely critical. There's a grace configuration which I'll prove to you 
for the next few weeks. There's a grace configuration vested in them sovereignly by God, a grace given to them intended to benefit you. So you have to access it. right? And then it says, verse 15, but speaking the truth in love, this is part of the objective, that the church speaks the truth in love. I like this. We are to grow up in all aspects into Him who is the head, even Christ. Right? What are we growing up into? Come on, church, answer me. What are we growing up into? Growing up into the head, which is Christ, right? That's the whole import of, of why we meet. Our desire is to grow up into Him, right? Fullness of the measure of the stature that belongs to Christ. Right? Sam said to us so, and I posted some of the notes to you. He said, God is thoroughly intentional in his efforts to mature you. He is not casual about it. He's in thoroughly intention, intentional. And all his attempts to mature you by suffering will be invasive. In other words, he will intrude penetratively into your life. And he will leave nothing in you unturned that needs to be addressed. Every idol in you will be brought down. Anything that rivals his place in your life, that prevents you from being an exact representation or duplicate of him, the invisible God, God will deal even with those remote things you put aside and you're not willing to address. Be assured, church, sooner or later, God will deal with it. The intent of God is to mature you. If not by your cooperation, through your obedience, then God has to order a set of sufferings for you. Submit you to processes that will literally force you to deal with the issues. It's either now or later. You know, I came away from yesterday and said, Lord, I have a couple of things. Three things or four that I need to, people I need to see to put some things right. What, what is my press and my heart? I want to be as quick, mature as quickly as possible. It's amazing how in a process of suffering, your resolve to obey is more strengthened when you suffer than when you don't suffer. It's like, God, what are you? Uh, uh, Sam said to us, next time you suffer, don't ask, why me, Lord? Ask, what would you have me to, be, to know, Lord? Not why me, Lord, but what would you have me to to know what would you have me to deal with now Lord so we have to grow up into him which is even Christ from whom the whole body fitly and upheld together by that which every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love okay now that's all sees all on its own right there all I wanted to do by reading that text is to demonstrate to you biblically that the fivefold ministry has got seriously profound goals to accomplish in the life of the church. Isn't that serious, that list? Eh? Would you not agree? That's a very good passage to memorize, by the way. The goal of the Ascension gift ministers, or what we call um, fivefold ministries. So why then, Randolph, if there are five of them, did you title your message, Accessing Apostolic Grace? I want to say this clearly lest anyone leaves with the wrong perception. You need to access the grace of the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. Each one is designed 
for the building up of the body of Christ in love. But I'm referencing apostolic simply because apostolic function and grace is the bedrock or the foundation of all other gifts. Not just the five fold or the other four of the five. They are the foundation for any other gift expression in the church. Be it the nine gifts of the Spirit or be it the seven gifts, inspirational gifts that are recorded in the book of Romans chapter chapter 12. Okay, You know in the Bible there are three listings of gifts. We know this one, the five fold gifts. In the book of Acts or Corinthians, there's the nine gifts of the, the Holy Spirit. In the book of Romans chapter 12, there are seven what people call motivational gifts supposedly given by the Father. But I don't want to get into all of that now. The three classifications of gifts. Many gifts, the Bible says, but the same. Spirit working all in all. Okay? The bedrock of the operation of any gift expression is grace. The functionality of those gifts come from apostolic doctrine or functionality. Let me, let me, let me illustrate and demonstrate that to you. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 28, watch what the text says. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 28. It says, God appointed, some versions of the Bible say He set some, established. He appointed in the church first apostles. What does the word first denote to you? Come on, talk to me. What do you think the word first is there for? Right? Protos or proton, first in time, rank and place. In other words, God said, there are, there are some ministries that are foundational to the rest. There's some ministries that when they are set in place will configure how everything else that succeeds them or follows after them will function. So it says he set some in the church, first apostles, second what? Prophets, third teachers, then what? Miracles. In fact, most people that want miracles without apostolic function, you, you got the order wrong. Apostles set doctrine, set understanding for miracles to function. Where you want miracles to function outside of apostolic emphasis, you are prone to error. Right? So, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, various kinds of tongues. Please know this, for you good Bible scholars. I said to you there are three classifications of gifts in the Bible. Five ascension gifts, Ephesians 4. Nine gifts of the Holy Ghost. First Corinthians, I think, 14 or, 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 13, or 12, right? And there are seven other gifts recorded in the book of Romans chapter 12. This listing is a compendium, a sampling of different gifts from each of those three categories. It's not a separate list. Paul is simply wanting to make a point by saying he said some in the church. What? Come on, say we first apostles. I'm trying to configure your mind so that when you engage apostolic ministry, you know what to expect. You know how to tap into what this man or this human agency representing something divine is bringing to me. He establishes foundations, establishes bedrock issues from which you can explore a giftedness, whatever gift you have thereafter. But it's founded and rooted in something solid. Okay, 
So it is a first gift. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 19 says the following. Watch. Ephesians 2 and verse 19 says the following. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints, and you are the household of God. Now, are we the household of God? Yes or no? Come on. Are we the family of God? Right? We're the church is a family, the oikos of God. So we're not strangers to God or to each other. We've been established in a family. Are you glad to belong to this family? Come on, talk to me. Are you glad to belong to the family of God in this locality? Yes. We must grow in our family ethos. We really must. Must love each other like, like never before. I can't wait to go to the son's meeting tomorrow. I fly out tonight. After the service, we're gone. I can't wait to see the family. You know why? I know that I'm a part of a bigger whole. Right? And I'm not isolationist. I'm not individualistic. I'll never survive on my own. can't wait to see the brothers from the Dominican, from Alaska, from Australia. Thirty nations will be represented. Family globally coming together. You know what power and presence is in the room? Of people that love each other as a family. It's unreal. Unreal. Thamo is convinced. He said this to us recently. The success of every major recent apostolic school of ministry is hosted. Has been built upon the prior sons meeting just before that. Right now, ALS starts on Wednesday. Monday and Tuesday, we're having this gathering of sons. Where he will speak to us as a father. It's that spirit of family that is brought to the conference. So that when guests come in from wherever, they come into a culture. Amen? Tell me, this is a family culture. The greatest thing we can build here is family. We're not an institution. We are a household. Amen? Here in a household, there's no strangers. Hallelujah. No strangers. Come on, let's go on verse 20. Which we really want to go. Having been built on what? What is this house built on? It is built on the foundations of what? Of apostles and prophets. Now, did you not just read that he said some in the church? First apostles, second prophets, third. I like the scripture. It says, this household of God in which there are no aliens and strangers to God or to each other. It is built upon the foundation of what? Of apostles and prophets. And I like the qualification here. It says, comma, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Lest the apostles and prophets think that they are the cornerstone. You see, while they call foundational, in their foundation mentality, they seek to establish Christ as the foundation. Right? And Paul would later qualify this in 1 Corinthians 3. He would say, For no other foundation can any man lay than that which is already laid, which is Christ Jesus. The foundation is qualified. For the sake of the tape and for the sake of your understanding, I want to say this unambiguously. Um, the foundation of this house is Christ. The foundation of Christ is laid by apostles. And prophets who seek to entrench Christ in the fabric of the work. Okay? That's how you must read the scripture. So, I want to ask you the questions. Are prophets and, found, po- prophets and apostles foundational ministries? Yes or no? Yes? Yes, they are. Do you think they're important? If the whole house is going to be built on what they bring as ministries to the house. Yes? It has to. That's why a church... That it does not expose itself to apostolic prophetic ministry 
its foundations would be weak. Absolutely weak. Okay. Absolutely weak. Now, Ephesians chapter 4, we just read it. That, um, oh, don't, don't turn to it again. That Christ gave himself to five ministries. With, uh, let me just say this for the sake of your understanding also. While there are five in the New Testament, we often read of apostles working closely with prophets. It's, you'll see this right through. In the document that will be released at ALS next week, the Articles of Faith document that we worked on, when it comes to um, the building ministries of the church, as a heading there, the building ministries of the church, you will see we discuss these things. And it's clearly shown to you in various texts of Scripture how that these two ministries often work together. That's why God said to them, first apostles, second, second prophets, and then third teachers and others come in. But it, it's like these two are the first amongst many because they have to establish foundations. And how do they do that? They establish foundations by teaching. Everyone say teaching. Teaching doctrine. Teaching doctrine that will establish solidly the foundation of, of the church. Romans chapter 1 verse 5. Romans chapter 1 verse 5. We know the scripture, but I want to draw reference to it again. It says... Through whom, that's Christ in context, through whom Jesus Christ, we have received what? Grace and what? Apostleship. Paul is saying I've received two things, grace and apostleship. I said this to you before. We are talking apostleship. Now you can never ever divorce grace from apostleship. Right? If you claim to be an apostle of God, what do you have? Grace. Unique grace given to you, designed to, to benefit others. In context of this verse, the goal of this grace is obedience in nations, not even in individuals. An apostolic ambit, metron, is bigger than ministering to the individual Christian. He wants to install obedience as a culture corporately in a whole nation. To bring about, look what it says. I'm not making this up. It's in the Bible. Eh? It says, I got two things. I got grace and I got Apostleship to do what? To bring about obedience of faith among all the Gentiles to whom Paul as an apostle was called. Okay? The nations. Among the Gentile nations. Okay? Now, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. Right? Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. How then do apostles impart this grace to you? Apostles impart this grace to you through their doctrine. Everyone say doctrine, right? Through doctrine, or what we call apostles' teaching. It says, what did the early church continue in? What did the early church continue in that the present church is not continuing in? What did the early church focus on that the present church seems to miss? It says they continually devoting themselves to what? Come on, talk to me, church, to what? So why will I prioritize going to a meeting when apostle is delivering the word of the Lord? I know in my mind this is going to establish such foundational bedrock issues in my life and in the state of the corporate church. Right? To continue means what? To continue and never to stop. <laughs> There's no big revelation here. It simply means as far as you have the opportunity, expose yourself to it. It says continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. 
it does not say to the evangelist's teaching, to the pastor's teaching, to the teacher's teaching. It says to teaching developed by apostles or doctrine given to apostles for you. When the first party is right, the rest will follow. You can't even pray right if your doctrine is wrong. Prayer is last on this list. You, you continue in what? In a apostle's doctrine or teaching. And then if you understand this, your fellowship with other believers will be so powerful and right in God, you'll be sharing grace with each other. Right? Fellowship here is not a soccer game or social meeting where you meet for coffee with your friend. We say, let's have fellowship. This doesn't mean that. Fellowship is when two believers share of the grace of Christ that they respectively have in each other by sharing their, 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 the word of the Lord, grace by which is communicated to each other. They empower one another. It means to become a shareholder in and to impart jointly. And then breaking of bread and prayers. Okay, Everyone say apostles teaching. I'm so glad we're connected to an authentic apostle who teaches us doctrine. For me to listen to Thamon I do weekly is non-negotiable. I track his messages that he releases in Santon every single week. What am I doing? I'm making certain I continue steadfastly in doctrine developed by apostles, teaching developed by apostles, called that apostolic teaching. And when other apostles like Dr. Segi, Dr. Sam, Joseph Matera, and others, now John Alley, we, we're learning. When my father in the Lord, my apostle to whom I relate as an elder over this congregation, and if he vets and exposes to our community other authentic apostles, I gladly open my heart, my life, and ministry to them as well. Amen? It's critical. Absolutely critical that you understand the value of apostolic ministry. It's precious. It's a rare gift that we have. Okay? Absolutely rare gift of Christ. It says they are the measure of Christ's gift given to you. Right? The measure of Christ's gift given to you. Now, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 4 and 5, another critical verse you need to know about apostles. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 4 and 5, it says... By referring to this, when you read, we can understand, Paul is speaking, my insight. Tell your neighbor, his insight. Is Paul boasting? He said, hey guys, I have an insight into Christ. What is insight? To see insight. To have a view. A perception that you don't have. What he's saying to them, I see things that you don't see about him. But it's given to me to see those things. I will communicate those things to you. Right? And notice what he says in the next verse. This is for me a powerful verse. Verse 5. Which at other generations, watch, was not made known to the sons of men. Listen carefully. As it has now been revealed to who? Come on, talk to me, church. To who is insights, mysteries into Christ revealed? In the earth today. And to know other persons. To who? To apostles and prophets. In other words, there's a dynamic and dimensions in Christ that do not come to sons of men. 
They come to specialist craftsmen that God in His sovereign will says, I will, these things, God is even thinking like this if I read into the scriptures. Watch. Everyone say generations. Other versions say in ages past, right? Long ages past or prior generations. God said, I kept things hidden in myself. I will wait for apostles and prophets. First two of five. I don't reveal everything to the five. He says, I reveal them to who? To those who are the foundation of the five, I reveal them to apostles and prophets. Watch. I reveal them to apostles. and, In other words, an apostle and a prophet has got the capacity to decode Christ. Who has been to a few apostolic schools of ministry, or one or two in the past? Yeah? Don't you uh, have this experience? Is they always bring forth something new. Do you know? It's not like they're sitting and scratching their heads. Oh, another conference coming. What new can we speak to these people? It's not, they don't think like that. God sovereignly will expose their minds to things. We are going to what next week? An apostolic leadership mountaintop. The word summit means you climb a mountain and you summit. You're going higher to meet. There there will be downloads from the heavens. I think significant things are going to happen next week. Simply because of the configuration of apostles that have blended together in one place. You know what? You know what's happening? There's the blending of receptors, if you would. Right? Transmitters. Do you know that there are airwaves over us right now? No one has a, a short wave or medium wave radio here. Those old devices in the old days, just small little boxes. You have to turn the dial until you get the then suddenly you'll hear a news report or whatever. Do you know there's there's information and there's communication going above us right now? Why aren't we not listening to that? Who knows? Why? We don't have the technology in the room right now to access that. It's happening, but our technology is not present. You know what happens when an apostle comes? He's like a, a, a frequency access point, for want of a better word. He's like the point in the earth where God says, well, there's the equipment I need to transmit my, my thoughts and communicate them to the, to the rest. What I want to impress upon you today is your understanding of apostolic function and ministry. It is critical that you understand this. Right? I'm going with my heart and spirit wide open. Because foundational ministries come. The prophets will be there as well. The persons of Sean Blicknote and others. These two ministries work side by side. They work together. They come and they disclose insights into Christ never before seen. For those of you that will not be at the conference, be of good cheer. Because we will bring back the DVDs and the CDs for you to listen to. So you tell your neighbor you're not left out. Don't worry, you're not left out. Don't left out. We'll bring that the information. But you know, Sam, in his opening statement on Friday night, said this. In his, as he came to the podium, he said that there's a. He, he said, I'm quoting Sam, opening night on Friday. He said, he said this. He said, thankful that everybody came out on a Friday night. He said, there's a quality of grace. That you will never receive from listening to a CD. Unless you physically engage the grace carrier by being present in a meeting. That's what he said. 
said, while you can listen, and he encouraged us, buy the CDs and listen to afterwards. But he said, if you want, you said you've got to pursue grace. It has to be an object to position yourself. Remember, paratitamai, I commend you to the grace, Paul said. Position yourself strategically so you can access the grace. Amen? So I want to encourage you as far as possible. I'm trying to configure your priorities. Because if you don't know gold, <laughs> if something is gold, you just dismiss it, you understeam its value, you will never apprise it properly and therefore not seek to access it. But when you have found a pearl of great price, you will sell, the Bible says, whatever you have to access that gate, that pearl, that grants you access into a specific domain. Amen? Is this making sense? Amen? Right? This making sense. Now, let me give you a couple of scriptures. It won't be long. I want to read to you a couple of scriptures where Paul is not boasting. He simply has a raw confidence about the grace that he possesses, that he knows he has, designed to benefit other people. Romans 12.3 says the following. Romans 12.3. This is the first part. For through what? He says, for through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, Never mind the rest of the, of the text. Just the first part. What does he say? He says, for through the grace given to me, I do what I say. Focus on the words. Through grace given to me, I say to you. Grace in him qualified him to direct people's behavior. But in the act of declaration, is grace transmitted? When apostles speak, I take it very seriously. Even their jokes. You know, I just think there's some revelation in the joke too. Maybe God wants us to say something to me, right? God is speaking. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 8. Ephesians 3 verse 8. Focus on these scriptures, brethren. To me, the very least of the saints. He called himself the least of the saints. Paul did. This grace was given to do what? To preach. He's speaking as an apostle and he says, this grace was given to me to preach. What did I teach you in the last session? How is grace communicated? Through the word. Through the act of preaching, the grace in the apostle is transmitted to his hearers. Right? Preaching is a serious, serious, important activity in the kingdom. For by it, grace is transmitted. Romans 15, 15 and 16. I have written to you very boldly on some points. So as to remind you again, because of what? Because of the grace that was given to me from God. What is he saying in all these verses? I have boldness to write. I have boldness to speak. I say to you why. He says because of grace. If you submit to any leader, you've got to make certain that you've submitted to a person of grace. Who is a grace carrier. Who when he preaches, teaches or speaks will transmit to you the grace of God. He says, this grace was given to me to, to be a, this, the next verse, to be a minister of Christ. Ministry. To be a minister of Christ. Colossians 1.28, you know this one very well. And 29, Colossians 1.28 and 29 says the following. Watch, Paul said, we proclaim him admonishing every man and doing what? Teaching every man with all wisdom, 
So we might present every man complete in Christ. Right? Notice what he says. Proclaim, teach. Him we proclaim. Admonish, teach every man. As I admonish, as I teach, as I proclaim, what is imparted? Grace of Christ is imparted. When that grace is received, what will it do to every man? It will make every man complete in Christ. This phrase, complete in Christ, is akin to his descriptor of the objective of fivefold ministries in Ephesians 4 that we just read. Until we all come into the fullness of of the knowledge of the stature that belongs to Christ, speaking the truth in love, we might all grow up into him, which is the head, even Christ. He says here, how am I going to accomplish that? My objective is to make every man perfect or complete in Christ. He said, I will do it by preaching, proclaiming him. I will do it by correcting. Do you know when I correct you, it's actually grace impartation. Admonishing, it's not just teaching. Or proclaiming, preaching, correction, and even teaching every man with wisdom. What is my goal? I want to present you perfect in Christ. Please know this. If ever I have opportunity to correct you, don't take it personally. Even if you say, ouch. Go home and say, well, I know Randall's heart. Oh, he's got one objective. All you want to do is present me perfect in Christ. Right? One objective. That's where I want to go. Perfect in, in Christ Jesus. Okay, now the next scripture is important. First Peter one thirteen. We've had this before, but I want to emphasize emphasize it again. Right? Emphasize it again. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on what? On the grace that is to be brought to you at what? At the revelation of Jesus Christ. Question, when is grace brought to you? Answer me, come on. According to the scripture, when is grace brought to you? So every time there's a revelation of Christ, what comes to you? Grace comes whenever Christ is revealed. To whom is Christ revealed? What did we read in Ephesians 5? To whom are the mysteries of Christ revealed? To his holy servants, apostles, and prophets. When they reveal Christ, what comes to you? Grace. Do you know, by the way, that this phrase brought to you in the original Greek is literally, strictly translated, announced to you. Announced to you. When the revelation of Christ is announced by the act of preaching or speaking, what comes to you? Grace. Grace comes, grace comes to you. Okay? It, grace will come to you for your benefit. Ephesians 3 verse 1 and 2. This is where I really want to go. And we'll end off with this, with this text. Many other things we could say, but I want, I want to go to this. Watch. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. If indeed you have heard of what? If indeed you have heard of the stewardship, I like this phrase, of God's grace, which was given to me for you. Please get this into your spirit. Everyone say, for you. 
Let me make this personal just so we can make, see it applicable directly. Paul said this to the Ephesian elders, not so? He's talking to the church at Ephesus here. He's saying, I have grace given to me for you Gentiles. Right? You Gentile nations. If they were to access the grace of God, they had to engage Paul, the person. You can never ever want the grace without discrediting simultaneously or rather simultaneously discrediting the person but seeking the grace he carries it don't work you want the grace you must embrace the person too because the person is a carrier of grace grace is carried uh, within the construct of the person's being so to access the grace means to access the the person just i need to go close with this galatians chapter 2 Verse 9. You see, if you don't see that the person has grace designed to benefit you. I just don't want to be covered by another ministry for what I want to do. I recognize what? Listen, listen to me very carefully, brethren. God tailors grace and he packages it in another individual, but it's tailor-made uniquely to benefit you in terms of your destiny. There are many other apostles we could have connected to. God sovereignly orchestrated events. Let me just say this. If you don't see it, you will not engage it. Let me read this text as we close. Recognizing. Everyone say you've got to recognize the grace. Right? Recognizing Paul is talking to the Galatian church. He says, recognizing the grace that has been given to me. Peter, uh, James, Cephas is Peter, James and Peter and John. Who are these three guys, by the way? There were three of the twelve, but which? They were the inner circle, the ones closest to Jesus. Right? Right? They did what? They were reputed to be pillars. These were strong guys, pillars. They gave to me and Barnabas what? Right hand of fellowship that we might go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcision. Right? The point I want to say is this. Grace has got to be recognized. If you don't recognize it, you will not receive it. Grace must be first perceived to be received. I want to meet Lot one day. I want to have a private conversation with Lot. I want to ask Lot, Lot, bro, how can you leave Abraham? What spirit came into you? That you could disconnect with someone whose name means exalted father. And you want to leave that? You know what? The meaning of Lot is what? Veiled or blind. What, what came over you that you could not see what was right in front of you? Designed to benefit you. Remember Abraham went from, his name changed from Abraham to Abraham. What does Abraham mean? Father of a multitude or father of nations. What does Abraham mean? Exalted father. Lot disconnected from exalted father. Before that same person became father of nations. I did some study on our Wednesday. So I was so enthralled by the meanings of any person's name in the Bible. There's some reference to grace. You know what I discovered? In English, if you, if you write the words Abram. A-B-R-A-M. How? What must you add to it to get the word Abraham? 
an H and an A. Not so? But you know in the Hebrew, the Hebrew lettering of Abram, and to translate that to Abram, you only insert one Hebrew character. Not two as we do in English. And the letter that you insert in his name to make it from Abram to Abraham is the letter Hey. H-E-Y. It's one character in the Hebrew alphabet. It's inserted. And it's the fifth letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Five is the number of grace. In an apostolic father, sovereignly by God's design, God has invested grace in that person. I'm going to say it plainly. You would be a fool not to see it. You must be so not to see Something standing in front of you. Tell your neighbor, open your eyes. Tell them, recognize. That's why I will do anything. I will sell my field to own the pearl. Randolph, why do you go to such extraordinary lengths? You've got a family on the go, which I don't neglect in doing this, by the way. You've got so many things. Why will you prioritize this above all? I want something. Given to another. If you don't understand this, brethren, much is going to escape you. This demands humility. It demands humility. We often say, to receive grace, you must first perceive it. If you don't perceive it, you won't receive it. If you don't receive it, you won't have the reward attendant with it. So in the order of things, it's perception, reception, reward. Who wants the reward? Call this grace given to apostles. Grace given to apostles. I said to you last week, March is Grace Download Month. For your information, this is announcement time. Watch. Okay, they'll all be in, in Santa next week, a large number of them. At least there are about 25 represented from this congregation that will be there. Powerful. When we come back, we will meet Sunday as our normal service. Not so. Sunday service. That following week, two of the individuals are coming down to Durban. Joseph Matera will be at Stonebridge Drive in Phoenix together with John Alley, the Monday evening. On the Tuesday morning in the day, two sessions with Matera and John Alley at the same venue. If you can get off work, especially if you're not going to Alley's, you can get off work for the Tuesday morning, I will encourage you, try and be there. Access, what what, what are you doing? You're not just being faithful to meetings, you are saying, wow, God, for reasons that only you know, you packaged unique grace to get me to the end and to know Christ completely in these individuals. I want to access this. Who wants to overcome? Yes, we all do. Grace designs is designed for you to rule and reign in, in this life. right? And I want to encourage you. It's packaged in a particular fashion, designed to benefit to benefit you. Tremendous grace is available. It's available all over. The thing is, do we recognize it and will we access it? Amen? So may the Lord bless you and keep you as you access the grace of Christ. Hallelujah. Everyone understand this, what we've said so far. I will amplify the thoughts through other scriptures later next week and probably the week ahead of that. But profound grace comes to the earth, packaged in vessels called apostles and and prophets. Amen.
Amen. Everyone happy? Everyone say apostolic grace. This was more a theological presentation than a sermon, but it's important that you understand these things. Amen. Important that you understand these things. So may the Lord bless you, keep you, and um, cause His grace to, to shine upon you.